Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Podcast Network. Back again, end of September. U.S. Open in the rear view. Still a lot of great tennis left to be played this season. You know the drill with this show, and you know the name. Second time now on the show. Played doubles for a lot of years. Got to number one in the world. Lots of titles. Now a TC analyst. I think coming up on a decade. It's Mark Knowles for the second time on this show. Mark, thanks for joining. Yeah, great to be here. It's been an awesome run. Um, being with Tennis Channel for the last 10 years, hopefully many more. We are at that exciting time of year for the diehard tennis fans. I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, there's so much more to be played once the U.S. Open ends and you're doing the single host duties. There's tennis all over the world, still a lot of subplots. But I think what I've noticed, and, and you yourself probably have too, is they're out there and it still means quite a deal in terms of money, in terms of rankings. There's still quite a lot to be played for. Yeah, for the general fan, obviously, they assume that after the U.S. Open, that tennis kind of slows down. But in actuality, it doesn't. You're, you're 100% right. The players have a lot to play for. You know, they're chasing ranking points, obviously, trying to tuck away some extra prize money as well for the holidays. But more importantly, also, you know, there's ranking bonuses, contract bonuses. There's a lot to play for. And also for a lot of players, if, if they haven't had the year that they've specifically wanted so far it's an opportunity to get some rhythm get some confidence which can also bleed into the following year well there's a lot of different storylines and subplots just within these tournaments but I think we have to start with Andy Murray and what he's still doing and and, and you know beating Hugo Umbera who's a great player in three sets and then following that up with another win today there's a lot you can say about this guy but I think what stands out to me what I'm just impressed and inspired by in a lot of ways is he just competes you know, he, he obviously loves the game. He probably won't get to the form that he was at at that world number one level. But this is someone that just goes out there and gives it his all every time, regardless of the venue, the tournament, the event level. He's just out there fighting. Yeah, it's really incredible, right? We, we talk so much about the qualities of champions, and Andy Murray is one of the great champions of our game. And, um, you know, I, I know him, obviously, as a friend. I know him as a competitor, and I also know him as a fan. I'm a big fan of Andy Murray what he's been able to accomplish throughout his career. But I think for a lot of us now, we have almost a newfound respect for him, knowing what he's had to go through and during the hip surgeries and so forth and how hard he's worked. The fact that, you know, he comes back, he plays challengers, he's putting in the hard yards just to give himself an opportunity to come close to the level that he's produced in the past. And, you know, the one thing that's very exciting, if you're an Andy Murray fan, is, you know, we saw glimpses of it at the U.S. Open tough five-set loss against Tsitsipas, but more importantly, we were all watching how he recovered uh-huh. physically, and he looked very good there. And since then, as you mentioned, this week, two quality wins so far against Umber and Pospisil. And to me, the play is very good, but what's impressed me the most is the movement almost looks vintage Murray. Yeah. So I got to assume that Team Murray is, is pretty excited right now. I mean, it's just incredible. Like, he had the hip resurfacing. Like, this is not a normal sports injury surgery to come back from. 
So for him to even be on the court is just remarkable. When you watch the matches, the Sitsipas match you referenced and, and these in this tournament, I think you also just see how cerebral he is out there. This is one of the all-time tacticians, and it, it's just fun to watch him systematically, I don't want to say destroy, but just decipher what's going on and figure out a way to win. Yeah, well, we've had some great competitors uh, in the game, especially on the men's side. You know, you think Jimmy Connors, you think Leighton Hewitt, but yeah. man, when you look up compete in the dictionary, I am sure there's a picture of Andy Murray. Yeah. He's one of the best competitors. He loves to scrap, loves to play with a chip on his shoulder, and you know, it's, it's one of the admirable qualities that we like about him, and the fact that he does absolutely everything that he has to do to give himself a chance to win, and that's really the true definition of the ultimate competitor, and, and that he is. So Andy Murray caught my eye. Another player that caught my eye in the same tournament is the teenager, Holger Rune, the Danish former, up until about you know, less than a year ago, the number one junior in the world. Wins with the double bagel, starts off with a bang in this tournament, follows that up with the win. 18 years old from a place that hasn't had the, the men's single success. Mark, this is a guy that also took a set off of Djokovic in the U.S. Open. There's, there's starting to be a lot of hype on this kid, and I know you've got to see him play. And what exactly is special about what he does, and how far do you think he can push going forward in, in his youth? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think a lot of us kind of knew about Holger Rune through kind of the social media platforms. We heard a lot about him, obviously, a top junior, but we didn't really get to see him till that Djokovic match at the U.S. Open. And, you know, going into that match, I actually called that match, and I was so impressed by this youngster who, as you mentioned, took a set off Djokovic and, you know, could have been anybody's match. Unfortunately, his, his body gave out physically. He was dealing with cramps, so we didn't really get to see the finished product. But we're seeing it this week. He's playing terrific tennis and playing indoors. So obviously heat is not a factor. Endurance is not a factor. And the things that stood out the most for me was probably his power. Yeah. You know, he's got very strong legs, his balance. And it's funny you mentioned the match against Djokovic because when you think about some of the great components of the champions, when you think about Djokovic, the balance, the power off the off leg, Holger Rune has a lot of those attributes. He, he's very strong. Um, on the lower half, hits the ball big, moves extremely well, and, and we've heard through his interviews, he's got belief. Mm -hmm. He's got the confidence, right? He's got the right amount of confidence, so definitely a name to keep an eye on. That Djokovic match, it, it really showed me a couple of things. One, as you said, he's got power and he can match up with these guys. It also shows you what it takes to win in a best of five against these guys. Brooksby, too, is another one, Jensen Brooksby, who it just – you know, you get the best of five, and these guys just wear you down. At that level, it's just such a special place to get to. I think he can get there, but it's going to take a lot of work putting those hard yards, as you said, like Andy Murray has been doing. If he gets to that point, though, I mean, all bets are off because this is a guy with a lot of raw talent. Yeah, there's no doubt he's going to get there. I mean, let's not forget there was a time when Novak Djokovic, mm -hmm. you know, number one player in the world, struggled physically. You know, couldn't go maybe past two hours in some of the matches. So that that's part of the maturation process. Obviously, you know, you start to focus a little bit more on the physical side. You get a, a personal trainer. You, you kind of figure out what your body is like, how it reacts after long matches, the stress, lactic acid, so many different things. You fine-tune those as you're on tour and then you, you basically become a fine-tuned machine. So uh, I foresee no problems in the future for the youngster. We'll see if he can keep going in this tournament, maybe set up a date with Andy Murray. And there's still a lot of great players left in, in a lot of these tournaments. I want to shift to some of the players that aren't playing right now, one of them being Roger Federer, 40 years old, is, is coming off of another knee surgery. 
he put out some positive statements saying that the worst is behind him, which is good. Now, the, the other side of it is he's going to have to do something that is a little unprecedented, try to come back at his age after all those surgeries. I don't know what the expectation should be, and I guess I can flip it to you. What should we you know, reasonably expect from Federer as he tries to come back and play tennis at his age with the miles and, unfortunately, the surgeries that he's had? Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Because, uh, you know, you, you attach so much success with the career of Roger Federer. So if you're thinking about it from a fan's perspective, obviously they want to see him playing great tennis. They want to see him winning big titles, challenging for the big titles. But what I find very interesting about it is that, you know, knowing Roger fairly well and just listening to him, he's got a true love for the game. So actually his goals may be a lot different yeah. than what the fans' goals are for Roger Federer. I think that Roger's obviously given himself the best chance to be healthy to come back and play. Obviously, all great athletes want to go out on their own terms, and I'm never going to doubt a great champion. I mean, we see that in other sports. We, you know, Tom Brady, of course, the shining example where yeah. age is really not a factor. So I think we can almost throw a lot of those things out when you look at Roger Federer, now 40 years of age. Obviously, he plays the game so elegantly, um, minimal effort, but... He also knows that it is a very physical game, yeah. that he's going to need to be close to 100% to, to challenge against the best players. So, you know, I, I think it'll be an interesting couple of months. I know one thing. I, I think that Roger will do everything in his power to give himself a chance to compete at the highest level again. One of those few athletes that it sounds cliche, but he loves winning more than he hates losing. It's usually you hear yeah. the other thing, but he really does love the sport. And much like Murray, we're just spoiled by what these guys have done, that a comeback that gets you playing competitive tennis and wins matches. doesn't seem like it holds up to what you've done in the past. But I, I'm with you. I think that you, you want to see him moving well when he comes out there. You want to see him healthy. But regardless of what the comeback looks like, you just want to see him like you wish for every athlete to be able to retire on their own terms. Sadly, that's not always the case. You just hope for Roger, especially it is. Yeah. I mean, you just hope, right. That the skills don't deteriorate too yeah. much. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really a bonus that we still get mm -hmm. to see these guys play. Yeah. Right? You know, like I said, Tom Brady, you know, <laughs> even if you're not a Tom Brady fan, I mean, no, he's won are, a lot of us over because yeah, we're the winners in the end, right? Cause <laughs> yeah. we get to watch him play at the highest level. And it's the yeah. same for the, yeah. you know, in our sport for the Federer's, uh, the Serena's, the Venus's to still be able to go out there and compete at the highest level. That's just an added bonus for us as fans. You get to this stage with all athletes, but I think it might be, more noticeable, I know we're kind of in the tennis world, but more noticeable at the game of tennis because it's so physical and you're by yourself that, you know, if the body starts breaking down just a little bit, it's hard to, you know, duplicate those successes. Serena's injuries in the past, she's going to be 40 as well. Nadal's somebody that this was this last run that he had, coming back rested up, and then it still was an issue. That, that was the part that stood out to me. He took time off, skipped the grass court season, comes to the city open for the first time, and then has that foot problem again, and it's talked about it in Spanish interviews. You just hope that these guys and girls can stay healthy, but you know, you take for granted all the miles they put on their bodies playing, especially Rafa's case, such physical tennis through the years. Yeah, I mean, if you take it, obviously, on the men's side, the big three, the amount of winning that they've done, and then you think about Serena Williams' career. I mean, how much winning she's done. You know, there's a lot of miles under the yeah. hood, like you said. So, you know, like I said, these they're just all great champions, and... You know, the game is physical. The game is tough. Obviously, you know, there's been arguments that the surfaces are maybe a little too homogenous. But, you know, it is the way the game is now. These guys are, you know, guys and girls are supreme athletes. They assert themselves so much physically and, and they demand so much of themselves.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Mark Knowles here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Well, Federer and Nadal. Normal staples in the Labor Cup, they're not going to be playing this year. Still a great event coming up after last year's off. It's going to be in Boston. Tennis in the Northeast, I wanted to ask you this, because this has like a like a throwback feel to it. There's memories over the years. Not a lot recently, but do you ever play tennis up there in the Northeast at all in that region? I'm trying to, I played some junior yeah. events. We used to have the USTA indoor, I think the boys 16s yeah. was up there in Boston. Um, you know, obviously played Newport, Rhode Island yeah. as a professional um, haven't played a ton, obviously, uh, in the Boston area. Um, you know, obviously, you got the the open up in yeah. the biggest event, but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting event. Yeah. I mean, being in TD Garden in Boston, it's always a terrific event, yeah. anyways. And and I think also the disparity in teams, right? You know, you got Team Europe that's got six guys in the top ten, which is amazing, and. You know, Team World doesn't have anyone in the top 10, but they got guys just outside with the yeah. Canadians 11 and 12 and a lot of firepower with Opelka and Isner and Kyrgios. I love this format. I love it's kind of got with it this weekend too, the Ryder Cup kind of format now with the, the crowd being there rowdier and you, you get the sense that Team World is going to have that lift there. I also do like the uh, super tiebreak format where they basically play just two sets. If it's tied, we're going to a big match tiebreak to determine it. And some of the memories in the years, I, I, I am really impressed by how in short term it has become a staple. It has become something that players want to play for really no ranking points, no added benefits. And, you know, it's attached big legendary names, not just the Fetters and the Nadals, but Rod Laver, John McEnroe, Bjorn Borg. In short time, it's become a, a staple of tennis. Yeah, it's a tremendous credit to the to the organizing committee, as you mentioned, you know, kind of connecting the generations, right? The Laver Cup referring to the legendary Rod Laver and then the captains with John McEnroe, Bjorn Borg, you know, fire and ice there is, is <laughs> yeah. exciting. And then, as you mentioned, obviously with Federer and Nadal for most of the years, but now we have incredible new talent on the scene with Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Rublev, Berrettini. So... There is just so much to like about the event. And I, and I think the players generally enjoy, you know, it's such an individual sport. We've seen it over the years through Davis Cup. They enjoy a team competition, right? The ability yeah. to kind of take a little bit of the pressure off. Yeah. Obviously, it's a different type of pressure, but you get to play as a team, get to play as a unit, and, and try to go towards a common goal. I look at Team Europe's roster. You mentioned it, six in the top ten. Medvedev, Sitsipas, Zverev, Berrettini, Rublev, Kasper Ruud with... Luciano Lopez as the alternate, but when I mentioned those names to you, none of the big three on that team. Do you think this roster has a leader? Do you think someone will emerge as like, I don't want to say the guy, this is kind of the bigger picture tennis argument, but in that setting, is there a leader? That's a great question actually, right? Because I think at the onset, you'd say no, right? Mm -hmm. You'd say like, no one's yeah. established themselves as the alpha yeah. amongst that group, right? Medvedev just winning his first major, Tsitsipas getting to the final, Berrettini getting to some finals as well. But, you know, it's not like a Federer on the team or a Djokovic or a Nadal. So yeah. that may be something to kind of monitor as the week goes on, because I, I think yeah. the Americans may have better 
chemistry with the Canadians as well and Kyrgios who loves the event, right? They're kind of mm. underdogs. They yeah. can kind of use that as an impetus. So it'll be very interesting to track that for Team Europe. Even the guy like John Isner, who's in his mid-30s, has that veteran presence that they look at and respect more. And this is just, it's youth. And youth can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing as well. And you have that added bonus that the guys at the very top, top, the Medvedev, Sitsipas, Verev, they're all trying to be the alpha in men's tennis. And this is their, you know, another chance to show that. But the other side, I mean, the team world, Shapovalov, Schwartzman, Felix, Kyrgios, Isner, Opelka, it is a hodgepodge of talent. There's a lot of different games in there, but maybe this is the year that it comes through after three failed attempts. Yeah, I mean, you know, each encounter has been so close. I believe two of the three have come down to the final match, if, mm-hmm. if my memory serves me correctly. So, you know, in this type of I mean, first of all, we're talking about the greatest players in the world, right? So whether we divide between top 10, top 15, these are all great players, and they're going to play their best tennis. They're going to be inspired uh, to play for their respective captains. So it's going to be very interesting, I, I think, you know, obviously doubles is always an important part when we watch the Labor Cup as well. And generally, Team World has been better in the doubles compartment. That They've been anchored a lot by Jack mm. Sock in previous years. I believe he's, I believe he's there. I'm he's not an sure alternate. If he's an alternate. So, I, yeah. you know, I'm not quite <laughs> sure how that works, <laughs> yeah. if they plug him in with Curios for doubles or whatever. But, you know, obviously him as the alternate, he's probably one of the best doubles players in the world. So that adds a different element for Team World. Do you think Sock? Yeah, do you think Sock's the best doubles player in the world? I wanted to ask you this because he's one of them. I think is clear. Like he's, I don't know if yeah, he plays I'm, enough as some of these guys. But personally, I think I think yeah. in in today's game, he's yeah. the best doubles player in the world. And you know, I say that. I, I don't just throw that out there. I say yeah. that because you know it, it's a mixture of singles and doubles players nowadays. And mm-hmm. he has the type of game: huge serve, massive kick that gets him in position with the forehand. Yeah, and he has great hands at the net. So you know he can stay at the baseline with the singles players and he can hit big enough to get through yeah. the doubles players with good volleys. So I think he brings just a great skill set to the doubles court. So I would definitely have him in that conversation as one of the best doubles players in the world right now. A couple other points I wanted to make on the roster guys like Opelka and Isner, this format just suits them. You just gotta, you know, you, you don't have to worry about, you know, you can get to that match tie break and you can hold server bunch and it's frustrating on the other side. And then I look at someone like Felix who's playing the best tennis, the most consistent tennis of his career. Maybe he uses that momentum to keep it going because he was somebody still so young, but it's taken a couple years to get where we put those expectations on him. Yep. But making his first semifinal, he is clearly in the most consistent groove of where he's been. Yeah, I mean, you highlighted it for Team World, right? It, it's basically a highlight reel. Yeah. When you think of OJ Aliassime, you think of Shapovalov, you think about the power of Opelka and and also Isner, and then, of course, Kyrgios. I mean, he, his level can go so high, and we've seen he plays his best tennis historically at the Labor Cup. So even though they may not have their ranking, per se, attached to their name, I think they bring a lot to the equation. Kyrgios is somebody that, you know, there's a bigger discussion to have on him, on, on tennis and his viewpoints and his training habits and all that, but just for this moment, this is an event that he likes to play in. So that could be a positive that he's going to bring the best that he has right now to this event we can talk about whether that should be whether things should be prioritized or not but he clearly gets up for this tournament and it's good to see him engaged at any level of tennis oh there's no question you know i've spent some time with with nick because he actually has a place in the bahamas so this summer we trained for a couple of weeks he and milos raunich so i was around them quite a bit and dating back to early summer 
the only thing on his mind was the Laver Cup. I mean, he loves the Laver Cup. Obviously, the majors are big. Some of the Master Series events are big. But honestly, Nick Kyrgios is somebody who loves this yeah. event, loves the format, and really looks forward to it. So we know how dangerous Nick Kyrgios is when he's fully committed. The talent level is off the charts. So, you know, he is not somebody that can be discounted. And, and a Boston Celtics guy. So yeah, exactly. You, know, you throw that whole NBA <laughs> angle yeah. being in, in TD Garden as well. He's going to be inspired. Which, by the way, before we, uh, before we, before I forget, um, the last time we talked, we were talking about athletes from the Bahamas, and uh, your guy Aiton just broke your heart as a Laker fan. So I know that was probably a little personal. You know, you like to see the El Bahamas athletes do well, but yeah, it was rough Lakers. as a Lakers fan. Obviously, I was fortunate though. Growing up as a Lakers fan, we had Michael Thompson first, yeah. then we had Rick Fox both playing, both playing for the Lakers, but. Obviously, DeAndre Ayton doing a great job for the Suns. Buddy Heald, great job for the yeah. Kings. So even though they're not on my Lakers, still pull for them big time, and they're doing big things for the Bahamas. Yeah, there was that. I, I didn't even put that together that, you know, you put go to college out here, you, you get into the Lakers before that, but it's the Michael Thompson and Rick Fox back-to-back, and it's like the official team. Yeah, exactly. You guys are in there. No, that's, that's great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Mark Knowles here on Tennis Channel Insight. And the last thing I wanted to wrap up with, uh, and I, I don't, we didn't talk about this before, but I want to get your perspective on this. I watched the documentary, The Untold, on uh, Marty Fish. Marty Fish, yep. And I wanted to get your perspective because you guys have been partners. He's a friend of yours. You've won doubles titles together. It was really eye-opening from the outside. And, you know, he was going through some something that timing is everything with a lot of this stuff. No one really knew how to interpret what a pro athlete is dealing with this. It was all new. It was unknown. Comments were, you know, not taking into account a lot of his feelings and what he was going through. But when you were watching that or when you were hearing that story retold all these years later, what was your perspective on it as somebody that knows him and might have known some of the stuff that he was going through? Yeah, I mean, first of all, brilliant job. I thought they did an excellent job with the documentary. Uh, watched it immediately the first day it came out. And, you know, Marty's a really good friend of mine, somebody that I've competed against for a long time. We won doubles titles together, and, and I actually was coaching him during that time. I was there. His, I was his coach at, at the U.S. Open that year when, you know, fourth round had to withdraw against Roger Federer. So I thought it was very good. Obviously, I, like I said, I was there, so I knew what was going on. And I, I think that, you know, kind of um, the mental side, the anxiety, um, just the stress that players are under was never really brought to the forefront until Marty started suffering. I, I remember even for myself as a former player and somebody trying to help him at the time, it was a little bit foreign to me, but um, I think the documentary did an excellent job of just highlighting just how difficult it is, not just for tennis players, but for all athletes, right? It's, it's yeah. really hard to be a professional I think tennis kind of amplifies that because it's such an individual sport. And, you know, for Marty to be close to him at the time, it was, it was really hard. I know what he went through and, you know, he's probably the strong, one of the strongest people we know to be able to come out, share his story. He's helped so many in such a short time and will continue to help many others. And, you know, I've heard from so many people, you know, obviously knowing my relationship with Marty that have asked me about the documentary and talked about 
how kind of eye-opening and how insightful yeah. and how well it was produced. And, you know, I, I just think it was terrific because Marty, you know, hats off to Marty, obviously was a super talented tennis player, achieved incredible things on the tennis court. But it was interesting because he had to kind of reinvent himself midway through his career, yeah. right? Where he had to really uber, super focus, change his diet, change his fitness routine, you know, ultimately led him to top 10 in the world, number one American, and so many great things. But, you know, there is a price yeah. for some athletes. And unfortunately, Marty had to pay the price a little bit. But, you know, the good news is he, he's addressed it. He's doing wonderful. Still gets out, plays tennis, an amazing golfer, and yeah. obviously is captain of the U.S. Davis Cup team. So just a tremendous story, and it was, it was really interesting to watch that documentary. He was really one of the first athletes, maybe the first, to speak yeah. out about this, which was very inspiring. And, yeah, that was – I knew the story from the outside, but you didn't really – I thought he did a great job showing what work he had to put in to get to top ten. You know, a lot of people think, okay, he just figured it out, worked on some stuff. No, it was a gradual process – full-time job every day and that that really showed I mean the 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 price you pay as you put it for what he went through to get to top 10 it took a toll on him and like he says I think it was one of his quotes is this mental problems depression that doesn't discriminate it can affect anyone regardless of how successful you are how much money you have I thought it was a good story and and the good the best part about it about it is that it's a good message that he survived he's willing to help others and I think it was just inspiring yeah, I think, you know, tennis, along with all the other sports, it was always kind of about what's the physical toll, as you mentioned, yeah. right? We, we never really spoke about the mental toll, toll that it took on athletes. And, you know, I think us among our little group, we always talked about how difficult things are, so forth. Everyone had, you know, different levels. But I think for Marty to share his story is very special because, you know, it's why it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy being a professional athlete, the different pressures um, you know, it starts from your own circle, whether it be your parents, whether it be your agent, whether it be your sponsors, whether it be your own pressure. There are just so many pressures out there. But at the end of the day, you got to try to remember that you're doing something that you love. Yeah. Try to put those pressures to the side, but it's very, very difficult. Well, in the current climate with everything that's going on now with players having mental struggles, it's good to have a resource and someone that's using their powers for good, like Marty Fish, to help other people. So I think it's it's going to help a lot of people, and that's that's the thing that stood out to me. I do. Yeah, think, I mean, yeah. it's it's basically a playbook, right? Yeah. I mean, th that's what's so great about mm -hmm. these documentaries because I think for the youth of our generation, yeah, they see the finished product, right? They see the the slam dunk on on Sports Center raising the trophy, yeah. but these documentaries now give you some true insight into all the blood, sweat, and tears that it takes just to have a chance to be successful. And that line that he had, uh, the American te uh, tennis bubble bursting, oh, it was Roger Federer was the bubble. Yeah, <laughs> that was, exactly, that was, that was funny. And also, you, you pointed out, I mean, probably the best golfer in the tennis world. Like, oh, no, I mean, no doubt. Yeah, I would I, I would put my money yeah. on Marty Fish. He may have put, picked the wrong sport. I don't know. It's, he's that good. It's, he it's is incredible. that good. When, when, when one, of the greats, <laughs> one of the greatest of all time, Jack Nicholas supports you, you know you're really good at something. Oh, <laughs> uh, That is for sure. Uh, Mark Knowles, pleasure coming on here uh, after a couple months. Now officially a recurring guest, so that means I can pretty much hit you up anytime. So. I like it. Always Thanks. great to be on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining Tennis Channel Inside In. That was Mark Knowles. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com. Check out all our new shows there and follow us on all of our social media channels. For Mark Knowles, I'm Mitch Michaels. We'll be back next week. This was Tennis Channel Inside In.